Muslims travel from across the world to the United States for school or for work. Fuad Masri says often when Muslims move to an American neighborhood, they don't feel welcome. People ignore them. And it's sad. You, you meet Muslims who've lived in this country and they will tell you, I have no Christian friends. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. For the next 25 minutes or so, you have the opportunity to learn how to reach out to Muslims with friendship. And you're about to be prepared for how to engage when those friendships lead to conversations about Jesus Christ. Fuad Masri is our guest. He is the founder and the president of the Crescent Project. For the last 30 years, the Crescent Project has taught Christians how to share their faith with Muslims. Fuad Masri has written a new book called Sharing Jesus with Muslims. He started telling us about it last week. If you missed that conversation, I hope you'll go listen to it on our website, vomradio.net, or you can find Voice of the Martyrs Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's get back to part two of our conversation with Fuad Masri. We had a previous guest here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and he he talked about the fact that a lot of Islamic teaching almost inoculates you against the gospel. Like some of it, it almost seems like they planned it so that when you came along and shared the gospel, for instance, you know, we want to share a Bible with you. Well, Muslims are taught the Bible's been changed. You can't trust it. It's been changed. We want to talk to you about Jesus. Well, you know, Jesus was just a man. Yes, he was a prophet, but he was not the son of God. He was just a man. It's almost like they've been sort of trained against <laughs> Christian teaching. How do you work past some of those defenses in in conversation? Yeah, Islam was not finished for a while. When they when they started Islam, you, you read the old writings, you find that even you know the prophet of Islam, Muhammad, was trying to be more like Christian and the Jews, that were all the same thing. And then later you find that they added some more. Uh, we think the Quran was not really collected till until Abdul Malik bin Marwan, maybe, maybe, because some of the older manuscripts of the Quran are, you know, today the Quran is 114 chapters. The old manuscripts had 40 or 70. So we're thinking like, what happened? Where's the addition? So yes, Islam designed, designed itself to kind of rebuttal the Christian faith. Um, the number one thing in the book, we do something what we call conversational apologetics. Uh, many times, if you look at the life of Jesus, it was the way he asked questions or told stories, uh, like the prodigal son story. So that's that's one way to uh, do this. In the book, I love that you you literally have lists of questions like, hey, ask this question. Hey, raise this issue. So there's again, I don't have to have a Ph.D. in Islamic studies and you're not trying to debate or argue. You're just saying, hey, what about this? What do you think about this? I, I love that part of the book. And I think it's such a great tool for us at, to get ready for these conversations. Amen. And the question shows respect and gives them a room to answer. So now they're using their logic. They're using their thinking, which is always the best thing you could do for your Muslim friend is help them think, help them like, how can Jesus be the word of God? 
and just be a man. Is he the word of God? Then he's more than a man because that's what the Quran says. Quran says he's the word of God. The other thing when we talk about ministry, and this is very important, always pray for sincere heart. The Bible says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So sincerity is important. And on top of that, pray for God to move in the life. So I was just talking to Rahman, an Afghan, who's being helped by a church. He said to me, the Christians are amazing. They're taking care of me here. But I had a dream. And God moved in his dream, and he asked me to interpret the dream. So suddenly, the conversation is moving beyond, you know, who's Jesus, son of Mary, is why did I have that dream? <laughs> you know, why Jesus is in my dream? So uh, the other the other thing that it's very important, when you're following the Spirit of God by listening, you understand how to answer the question. So if I'm talking to somebody and they say, you know, I've, I have cousins in Syria. I don't know where they are. You know, I, I can't get hold of them. Or I have friends in Turkey. Even a prayer, say, hey, I'm going to pray that God will get you to connect with them. And they connect with them. Oh, now Jesus gets the glory. Now they, they're asking the question, oh, we prayed, and this is what happened. How useful are the testimonies of other MBBs? And I'm, you know, I'm thinking I'm biased, but we've had MBBs here on VOM Radio that I think people could send a link and say, hey, what do you think about this Saudi guy who's following Jesus now? How how useful is that in helping our Muslim friends ask some of these questions and start to seek some of those answers? Yes, it, uh, always. Any testimony, any testimony God used, and specifically when it's somebody from Muslim background, especially if they're from the same country or same, you know, kind of denomination, sect, like if they're Sunni, Shia, Alawite, uh, we're sharing the gospel with the Alawite. And uh, first thing they ask, do you know any other Alawites like me who became believers? And I'm like, <laughs> I know some, yes, but they're not here to introduce, their, uh, to introduce them. But the powerful thing is the Muslim background believer shows that God is, is saving people and it connects with them. Yes, we would like to see more of those. So I love it when they put their testimony on YouTube. Uh, sometimes it's hard. They, they cannot do that. Uh, one Saudi sister, she told me, and we were in Minnesota, she told me, I'm going to have my video on YouTube. And I was worried. I said, please be careful. Well, she sent me the link. What she did is she wore the Saudi abaya, <laughs> where you can only see the eyes. <laughs> and she shared her whole story in Saudi Arabic. Wow, uh, and you know, with the slang, which I loved, how God gave her this wisdom to say, "Okay, I'm going to wear the Saudi garb. I'm going to speak Saudi, and go figure. You can't, you can't find her. You just see a black blanket <laughs> on camera." And God is so good because that testimony, someone else is asking questions. Now, again, this is very important for us as believers. Our role is not to convert. Our role is to shine the light. Jesus is the light of the world. We reflect his light and trust his goodness, his sovereignty, his holiness to draw people to himself. One of the things that you talk about in the book, and you address some of some of these things that Muslims believe that are a defense against the gospel or a defense against Christian truth. One of them that honestly I haven't seen before is, is the Paul myth. Uh, the idea that Jesus was just a man, and then Paul came along and decided, well, hey, I'm going to create a religion around this guy, Jesus. 
maybe share a little bit about that, what, what that teaching is, but then how, how prevalent is that among Muslims to saying, Oh yeah, this Christianity thing, Paul just made that up because of YouTube and uh, the social media, it's starting to get, you know, going around like the gospel of Barnabas. And we answer the gospel of Barnabas, but the gospel of Barnabas is a corrupt gospel. It was written sometime 1300s. So they were using it, but now the history shows that it's not good book. And it has things against the Islam in the book. So because <laughs> he had his own brand of Islam, this guy. So uh, to make no story short, they don't want to touch the gospel of Barnabas. So the idea of the Paul myth is a common thing that the epistles were written before the gospels. And so we address that directly, number one, because he was trying to destroy the Christians. And then he became the number one proponent for them. So which means, wait a second, like if he really was trying to destroy it, why would he die for it? Why would Paul die talking about Jesus? You know, I, I understand that he wanted to destroy Christianity, but it seems that there was a change. The other thing about um, the Paul myth we asked people, and that happened one time in the state of Indiana, a engineer from Palestinian background, Sunni Muslim, brought the red letter Bible. And he said to me, I only believe in the red letters. I don't want to believe in the epistles. And I said, okay, let's read the red letters. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, you know, anyone who commits sin is a slave for sin. So I said, okay, let's follow the red letters. And what happens in that the conversation is you push him to make a decision. Is Jesus worthy to follow? Uh, Jesus says, I and my Father are one. Do you believe in that? Uh, Christ asked a beautiful question. Who do you say that I am? I mean, that question is resonating throughout the centuries, not only to Muslims, to everybody, including today's you know, evangelicals. Who do you say I am? Am I more important than the president? Am I more important than the constitution? Am I more important than you know, luxury? So who do you say that I am? And that's the, the Paul myth is we... We say, okay, Paul wrote these epistles, but there was a community. There was a, uh, there are other other uh, texts that that show that Jesus is the only way. And I, I love the book of John is amazing. John eight, nine, and ten. Just these three chapters are very powerful on the character of Christ. And I think of this going back to the Bridges curriculum. After you know, I took a group at our church through the Bridges curriculum, and I came out of it thinking, well, this is not just about talking to Muslims about Jesus. This is about talking about to anyone about Jesus. How much is that true for this book as well? I mean, the book is called Sharing Jesus with Muslims, but how much of it crosses over to talking to a Hindu or talking to an atheist who just thinks, well, there there is no God. God doesn't exist. Yeah, many, many of the principles are scripture. I mean, I always tell people uh, our job as believers is not necessarily bringing anything new. I mean, you know, the word of God is rich. So I'm just reminding people of what's in the word of God. So you're, you're right, Todd. I mean, God can use the concepts and the principles with anybody. We wanted to kind of focus on Muslims because that's many times people ignore them. And it's sad. You, you meet Muslims who have lived in this country and they will tell you, I have no Christian friends. And it's shocking, like, why don't I have Christian friends? We can be their friends. They don't have to become believers. We can just be friends and, I don't know, go have hummus together, kebabs or something. So that's what we wanted to focus on. The second thing is if someone has enough courage and feels pre prepared, and they feel prepared to share with Muslims, then every other religion, it's easier. Because, you know, our biggest fear is that 
you know, Islam. And if we if we conquer that fear and feel confident sharing our faith, then we can share with a Hindu, Mormon, uh, Jehovah Witness. And and it is true that today uh, there is a even an attack on believers. Many times you'll be sitting and once you say you're born again Christian or evangelical, they immediately box us, put us in a box or, you know, like, oh, you probably watched this channel or you probably voted this way. I understand. It's okay. Uh, what I want to share is this. God never loses a generation. Even when the church was weak and could not necessarily defend itself, God used that for his glory. Uh, this is not the first time they're trying to wipe out the gospel. And they will not be able to do it because the church is not being built by people. If it was built by people, it would have been over, you know, 2,000 years ago. It's Jesus who's building his church. And Jesus says it's like a mustard seed that will grow. So what's happening now in many Muslim countries, including countries like Iran, is the tree is growing. Yep. And it's okay. Maybe, you know, maybe Americans have an issue with evangelicals. Okay. It's all right. Relax. God is on the throne. And he is building his kingdom. <laughs> One of the things that you point out as we talk about reaching Muslims, as we talk about Muslims coming to faith in Christ, is the need for community. Uh, and and we talked about it earlier. Often they will be kicked out of their community because they have chosen to follow Christ. How would you advise us as as Christians and also as churches, as our churches want to become that community around new believers from a Muslim background, just give us some advice to to yeah. help us think about that. Yeah, in the book we highlight the first thing is time. You know, I, I love Americans and we value time, but that's what young believers, you know, need. They need some time. And I'm not saying necessarily to shut down on everything you're doing, but it would be good. There are many ways we can engage with Muslim uh, Muslims to have fun with them and become friends, or if they become believers, now they're brothers and sisters in Christ. So we need to spend time with them, whether invite them to Bible study or activities at church, or maybe they come to your home or you go to their home, or you do something regularly. Could be could be sports, could be a meal, maybe cooking together, or could be traveling to a place uh, and studying, maybe helping them with their education. Maybe they need some help uh, with English, you know, conversations, how to learn English. So that's very good, especially we see that with refugees and students who are really in need of help. It's just, it heightens it. They come, they don't know where to go. They don't know where are the doctors. So that's that's very important. The second thing with with uh, what we're doing as Christian Project, we feel investing in Muslim background believers will bring a lasting impact because they can reach their family, their extended family, their country. They understand the culture and the language. So yes, I'm from Lebanon, but I'm not Moroccan. I'm not Senegali. I'm not Bengali. So yeah, maybe there's some things closer, but a Bengali will be able to share the gospel with somebody from Bangladesh better than even an Arab sharing. So uh, we are investing in young uh, Muslim background believers. Our prayer that this year will have 30 Muslim background believers that we invest in and uh, uh, give them leadership skills and that they will expand the work and the ministry. So if somebody's listening and has someone in their in their community that is a Muslim background believer, please take the time, spend time praying with them, invest the time in Connect us with them. We'd love to invest in them. And if their if their leadership 
shines. We'd love for them to be engaging with us and serving with us. Amen. We are talking this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Fuad Mastri. He is the founder and the president of Crescent Project. We will give you a link to their website when you come and visit us at vomradio.org. A direct link to them, crescentproject.org. Fuad, there's a lot of people who are going to get the book, and we're going to give them a link when they come to the website. We want you to get a copy of this book. We want you to read it. There's some people, though, that want to go deeper. And I know you've got an event coming up where people can come in person or they can attend online and really kind of dive deep into some of the same material and even hear from Muslim background believers about what, what it was that drew them to, to faith in Christ. Yes. Yes. No, thank you. It's called the Sahara Challenge. Sahara is Arabic for desert. And we know and we see that Islam is in like a desert. Many Muslims are thirsty because Islam gives them ritual but doesn't answer the deeper question about life. Where do I go after I die? Are my sins forgiven? So Sahara is like the desert and the challenge is to bring water to the desert. Amen. So we believe Jesus says, I am the water of life. So the whole training is how to bring the gospel to Muslims. So we start with Bible foundation. And then what is Islam as a religion? And culture, and then we dig into how to witness. Uh, uh, we talk about cultural key- keys. We talk about how to uh, build bridges cross culturally, and then something that nobody talks about is magic and Islam. Islam is based on much of what we call fear, uh, trying to control Allah. So there's a lot of magical things they do. So we also cover in depth on that and how to address these issues. Uh, many, many of our listeners probably go in a home and they maybe smell incense or they would see a hand of Fatima, you know, a hand with the eye in it or something written in Arabic and it's it framed on a, that's all toward of jinn and demons. So that's what we try to focus on. Also, there's a section on that. It is three days in Nashville. So people are welcome to be here. If they cannot join us physically, they can sign up and it will be on demand at the end of the month of May. So May 1, 2, and 3, the first three days of May, will be live face-to-face here in Nashville. We have a limited seating, so I would encourage people to sign up early. Uh, And if they cannot come to Nashville, it's a great city, but if they cannot come, uh, they can join us online uh, at the end of the month. I think it's the 25th of the month. And I would just encourage our listeners to really seriously pray about it and consider being a part of this event, the Sahara Challenge. I know for my church's denominational missions, all all of the people they're sending into Muslim countries, they're sending to Sahara Challenge first uh, to get this training and to really get this firsthand information and training and inspiration. So I would encourage you. And again, we'll give you a link when you come to vomradio.net. Huad Masri, we always try to finish up to help our listeners pray. So I want to ask you two prayer questions. Uh, one is, how can we pray for you and for Crescent Project and for the work that you're doing? The second question, though, is how can we pray for the Muslims that are around us, the, the Muslims that we work with, that live down the street, that that go to school with our kids? How can we pray for those? And how can we pray for you and for the Crescent Project? Yes, yes. Thanks, Todd. Amen, brother. We believe in prayer. I was uh, on a on a TV interview on the on the Turkish earthquake and the Syrian disaster that it left, and I, I asked people to pray. I said, you know, if, if people are men, we are men of prayer. We are women of prayer. So pray, God will move. Pray for Crescent Project. We have a huge 
a task ahead of us. We are now in, in 96 countries and our goal is to be in 120 in the next three years. Wow. So people can go to our website, click and join the prayer network. Uh, they will have updates. Pray that God will send staff, send supporters, partners, and God will use these activities like the earthquake and uh, some of our things we're doing in India and Indonesia will use those for the spirit of his kingdom. Uh, we pray also for protection for our staff. We have Muslim background believers we're working with and they're on our team or their volunteers pray for their protection so Christ will get the glory. Now praying for our Muslim neighbors, pray that God will bless them. Pray that God will put them in a situation that they will ask about Jesus. Pray that they will have a dream about Jesus. Uh, many times people, you know, I pray for them and out of the blue they would say to me, you know, we know you're a pastor, so what, what is your like spiel? What's what what's what's the difference? I was talking to Khalid. <laughs> from, <laughs> I was talking to Khalid from Jordan. He goes, Okay, okay, tell me what did Jesus bring that's new? You know? <laughs> so the exciting part, he opened the door for me. God already set it up. Oh God, Jesus brought many things new. Love your neighbor, love your enemy, repent, come to me, abide in me. <laughs> so so I, I love how our Lord works and the joy of ministry, the joy of ministry is enjoying being with Jesus. Yes, we rejoice when people get saved, but it's this joy that we are disciples of Christ. Our names are written in the book of life. He will never leave us, nor forsake us. So as we pray, pray in joy, pray in praise. Thank you. And it doesn't matter what men do. If God is with us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? Fuad, it is always exciting to be with you and to see the joy that you have 30 years into doing this ministry. There is still a sense of excitement. There's still a sense of anticipation about what God is doing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for writing this book and for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Don. Great to be with you again. You can find out more about Fuad, about the Sahara Challenge, and about Crescent Project at their website, crescentproject.org. Or you can find a link when you visit our website, vomradio.net. We'll also give you a link to get Fuad's new book. It's called Sharing Jesus with Muslims, a Step-by-Step -Step Guide. The web address, again, vomradio.net. When you visit that website, I hope you'll scroll to the bottom and use the form there to give us your feedback. I love to hear how God is using the Voice of the Martyrs Radio to encourage you, to challenge you, how you're praying for persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. So please take some time while you're at the website. Send me your feedback. Let me know how these broadcasts, how these conversations are inspiring your faith. Kevin wrote in to say, being widowed and retired with limited resources and physical ability, I was losing a sense of purpose. I've been giving to VOM and receiving your magazine for years, but since listening to your broadcast, I've been compelled to pray for the persecuted and the underground church with greater fervency and consistency. I have a God-given purpose, and this is a big part of it. Thank you, and God bless you all at VOM. Kevin, bless you. Thank you for writing, and thank you for praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Kristen also wrote in. She said, thank you for mentioning fear, worry, and trauma in the latest episode about Asia Pacific. We had our Asia Pacific Regional Director Carter Gates on not very many weeks ago. He talked about fear and trauma. 
Christian writes, I have listened to many episodes just thinking these people are invincible to human emotions and was wondering what was wrong with me. This meant a lot to me. Kristen, these are our brothers and sisters, and yes, they are heroic in their faith, but they are real people, and they do suffer, and they do feel fear and trauma and disappointment and pain and all of the things and all of the emotions that we would deal with in those situations as well. I'd love to hear from you. How are you or, or what are you doing to remind yourself and to pray consistently for our brothers and sisters who are suffering for the sake of the gospel around the world? Again, the website, vomradio.net. And I hope that you will be back here next week. We're going to hear from a gospel worker who is putting into practice some of the very things that Fuad told us about this week. Brother David is a leader with Operation Mobilization, and we're going to meet him next week. You'll be blessed by that conversation. So please be back right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.